Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. We're going straight into, last week we looked at the first of the five callings of God and the first was that we are called to be loved. And just how phenomenal and how amazing was that, that, that actually the first of our purpose was simply to be loved by God. I, I, it wrecks me every time when I think about the love of God and, and just how much he, he didn't want us to do anything. He didn't want us to go anywhere for Him. He said, simply let me love you and uh, that we're called to be loved. So this week, we're looking at the second calling of life and it is this. You've been called not just to be loved. You've been called to belong. You've been called to belong. Now, just let me give you the disclaimer. It's not too late, like Luke, you said, to get into a connect group. 70% of the 40 Days of Purpose material is actually done outside of the weekend services. So I encourage you, get a hold of the devotional. Uh, there's actually free um, places online uh, where they're uploaded onto, um, like in a legal way. Uh, and maybe, I hope. I hope no one's following my download, but, but it's, I'm sure it's free, I'm sure, um, and fine. Uh, but there's free places online that you can get it, or you can buy the book, or you can get it from Kindle, whatever you want to do, uh, the daily devotionals, and then we've got our connect groups, uh, and then we've got our contemplative prayer experience on social media every day um, at different times through the day that gets uploaded, so just keep your eye on that. We have been called to belong. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 2.10, and you'll see it on your sheet uh, there should be a pen on your, sh- on your seat as well, and it'd be great if you wanted to fill this in. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 says, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for His glory. He wanted to have many children share in His glory. When we think about this, that God created the entire universe so that He could have a family. He, he already had relationship and community in the Godhead, but He wanted to create a universe in order to have a family. And he didn't want functional only children. Are there only any only children in the house today? Yes, we've got what? Yes, two, two, and yeah. <laughs> don't don't single me out. I'm used to that already. Um, only children. But you would know that even uh, as an only child, you've got a dynamic between yourself and your parent. But then getting into different relationships was a whole nother thing, and you kind of didn't have the the butting up of relationship that you that you see other people have with their siblings for better or for worse. God didn't want functional only children. His dynamic is family. So we're going to look at this and, and in there it says, the second purpose of my life is that God formed me for his family. God formed me for his family. Ephesians chapter 1 verse, t- verse 5 says, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. His unchanging plan. You know, um, in a way, you know, my uh, dad is not my, my real biological father. My real father died when I was a baby. And, uh, and my dad um, is someone who raised me as his own, 100%. In some ways, he wasn't given permission to raise me as his own through our family dynamics. But he has never seen me as anything but his own child. And, uh, and my nan as well. Um, you know, when we met them for the first time, I was about two and a half, three years old, and, and immediately just embraced us as her family. Well, God didn't just adopt us into his family like that because his purpose was always to adopt us into his family. That his purpose has never changed. And uh, it says there, God's family is called, what God's family is called is his church. His church. 
It says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I'm writing to you so that you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. The church is not a building. You came to church tonight, but the church is not a building. The church is not the service. The church is not anything except relationship with other Christians. That is what the church is. God's family is called the church. And their third dot point there is I'm called to belong to his church. I'm called to belong to his church. Now, maybe some of you have found how difficult that can be. Maybe some of you are like, ugh, church. (laughs) And as the African-American pastor in Washington, D.C. said when we were over there, there ain't no hurt like church hurt. And everyone went, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah, all turned to each other. No, that's right. There ain't no hurt like church hurt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Holla, holla. And wave their hankies around. There's no ch- hurt like church hurt. This is actually um, true, right? Because we have, thank you, Trav. Next time you need to stand and do a little shuffle. No hurt like church hurt. No hurt. And, um, and uh, that's literally what happened. And... Um, was that you, Bella? Did you get up and holler? <laughs> the whitest person in the room, no offence. Um, but uh, so um, the thing is, is that we have a different expectation around the church because we're like, that organisation's supposed to have God in it. Like, okay, my family's messed up. I grew up with them. I got used to that. But now I'm in the family of God, right? So it's going to be different. And I find myself sometimes on the outer, sometimes in a clique, sometimes not, sometimes whatever it may be. The church is not perfect, but the church is the family of God. The church is not perfect any more than your own family is perfect. Anyone got a perfect family? Liar! (laughs) Oh, Llewellyn. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, so now you are no longer visitors or strangers. Now you are citizens together with God's holy people and you belong to God's family. You belong to God's family. Romans chapter 1, verse 6. You are among those who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I want you to circle called to belong. Called to belong. Because maybe you're thinking, yeah, I I just don't feel like I belong. Well, the Bible says you're called to belong. You are actually called to belong. The word for church in the Bible is the Greek word ecclesia. And it doesn't mean service. It doesn't mean building. In fact, the word in, even in the Bible was changed. The word church comes from the German word kirch. But it was in the, in the New Testament, it was ecclesia. Ecclesia. And ecclesia means that you are called out. It means the called out ones. Church literally means a group of people who are called by God, and that is you. It's not an event. It's not a program. Church is something you belong to. Why? Not as a membership but as a relationship. So today we're going to look at the five benefits of belonging. Number one, in God's family, because that's the first metaphor that the Bible uses. In God's family, I learn my true identity. That's the familiar one, the family. In a healthy family, one of the benefits is, is that you're taught who you are. Now, you know, many of you, that in an unhealthy family, you get an impression of who you are that is not actually true. But in a healthy family, hopefully, you're taught who you are. And it's the same in God's family. I learn my true identity. I learn my true identity. The truth is that no matter how many sick threads you've got, yeah, no, okay. And no matter how much awesome clothing, I don't know the lingo anymore. In fact, 
probably never did. Um, but, but whatever brand names you've got, whatever you're wearing, that, that does not make up your identity. Your identity is formed by relationships. And so if you have good relationships, your identity will be this healthy thing. If you have bad relationships, you know that you struggle with identity and you find it much more difficult. That's why in the family of God, we're supposed to learn our true identity. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, You are members of God's very own family and you belong You belong in God's household with every other Christian. You know, the tricky thing is is that, tricky in some ways is that, because Jesus is tricky like that, um, is that, uh, (laughs) thank you, thank you. And (laughs) and so, um, dang it. Um, Fake laughs just get me, Michael. Why do you do that to me? Um, Okay, Ephesians chapter 2.19, spiritual family. This is the thing about your spiritual family, like it or lump it. It's going to last forever. It's actually a family that is going to last forever. And, and that's why it's really important that we aren't those that talk smack about any other church because God doesn't divide us up into churches in eternity. You know, I kind of feel like some denominations need a big high fence around them because they think they're the only ones that are going to be there. But that's not the case. We're all going to be there together and we're going to know as we're known. We're going to understand and we are going to be united in family. So it's best to get on board with that now and to understand that we're family. Your spiritual family lasts forever and ever. And uh, we go out and look for identity in things that won't last. Even relationships. You know, your relationship with your spouse I'm really sorry to tell you this, if you didn't know already, won't last in heaven. Like, you're not going to be husband and wife in heaven. The Bible says that. Is anyone okay? Is everyone okay? Some of you are like, yes, I'm waiting for the day. Well, that's not kind. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but what will last is the family of God. And, and, and there are things that we would say about our identity. Like, I'm an Aussie. I'm a fair income, true blue um, 2560 <laughs> Aussie, uh, Campbelltown. Yeah, boy, I don't know. And, um, but, but the world will judge our identity and all the external stuff rather than the internal. But God judges us on the internal and he actually calls us to belong as part of his family. I don't know what it is about you. I know my Steph's sister is like, um, Latina. Yeah. Buenos dias. Muy bien. I don't got nothing else. Coco. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you, there's something about you that you're super proud of about your heritage, and that's great, but it, it's not going to last forever. You're going to get to heaven, and, and, and the tribes and tongues and everything that we are will be all together, but in a completely different way that we understand. So it's really exciting. It's, it's going to last forever. You might look around and go, really, Ron, do we have to? Yes. So get on board. Okay, G- Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 says, Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he isn't ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So second metaphor is that we are God's temple. We're God's temple. And in God's temple, I am supported by others. In God's temple, I am supported by others. In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, we could easily just bypass this uh, metaphor of temple. But the temple was where the presence of God dwelt. The temple is what took years and years. And David, a man after God's own heart, said, I'd really love to build God a temple. I want to build God a house. How can I be living in the lap of luxury while God is still out there in a tent? 
and, and, um, and the prophet, Nathan, or another one, one of the prophets went to him and said, said um, David, yeah, go and do it, whatever's in your heart. But the prophet got woken up in the night and went back to him and said, David, actually, you've been a man of war. It needs to be a man of peace that be, builds the temple of God. And so his son Solomon builds it. And it says that when it was all complete, that smoke filled the temple, that there was fire, that there was like this utterance that was going on. There was this miraculous manifestation of God when the temple of God was finally joined together. And the Bible says that now we are that temple. Not only are you the temple of the Holy Spirit right now if you're a follower of Jesus, but when we come together as the church, we are fit together and supported together as the temple. If you're a brick lying around on the ground, you are not supporting anything and you're not supported by anything. It's important to have a church family. We can't be spare parts, bits of wood or anything else like that. Number three, in Christ's body, because that's the third metaphor, a body, I discover my unique value. I discover my unique value. You see, in, to in God's temple, when we're supported by others, we're no longer on our own. We're fit together. And it's the same thing with the body. No more solo lobo. Is that movie called? Turkey, Thanksgiving, something. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, <laughs> in Christ, the whole body... Oh, no, that's building. Okay, hang on. We're coming back. Just go back to temple for a moment. Come back to temple. Um, in, in Christ, the whole body building is joined together and rises to become a holy shame. We just read that, didn't we? Okay, great. Lego. Lego, right? How good is Lego? Anyone in the house just a Lego nerd? You're like, oh, what set are you talking about? Star Wars? Harry Potter? No, we're in church. Um, uh, what is it that... Um, what is it, the set that you love? And you're like, Brown, Brown, I've got a Lego YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe. And uh, but, um, whatever, you, if you nerd out on Lego, that's fine. But the thing about Lego, if you're a parent that you know is, unless it's in a set, it's a mess. It's everywhere. We've got like this mat in Katie's room that the Lego has to be confined to. And every time I walk in, it's the first thing I see. But even worse than that is when the Lego makes it off the mat and I want to give her a hug in the middle of the night and the intense torture that comes from stepping on a piece of Lego, it's demonic if it's alone. But when it's together, it's beautiful. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that if you haven't found a church family, you're demonic. Read in digital what you will. But, <laughs> but they're a pile of plastic without being joined together. But being fit together, they, they, they're creative, they're incredible, they're in, just beautiful. Romans 1.12. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. That's when we're fit together. So, as I said, back down to number three. In Christ's body, I discover my unique value. We know this. We've talked about it a little bit. And it, you, you were created to be a part of the body. And when you see a jigsaw piece, a jigsaw puzzle, rather, with a piece missing, what's the thing that you see all the time? The missing piece, Right? You don't even notice any of the beauty. You just see the missing piece. It's like a horror movie. It's like zoom, zoom into the piece and then zoom onto the person's face and looking on it like in horror and disgust. I'm affected by jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> it's awful. It's not right. Um, we did jigsaw puzzles. I, I really wanted it to be a family activity on a recent holiday. And so I bought a jigsaw puzzle and, uh, and I, I set it all out. And, um, and I said, everyone has to do 10 pieces a day. Um, Daz... Bella, Locke, uh, 
maybe did a piece, I don't know. And then Katie joined in every day and she was really trying and eventually I just kept slapping her hands away and, and did it myself and it was the best thing. But a jigsaw puzzle is supposed to be fit together and create something beautiful. And so I mentioned uh, the other week that, that if you see someone with beautiful eyes, the reason that they're functional is because they're attached to an optic nerve fibre or something or other that's going down into your brain. But if an eye kind of pops out and like rolls around on the kitchen bench, that's ugly. That's no longer any good. It needs to be connected in order to be functional in the body. If your foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if your ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? No, it wouldn't. So even as much as we say, I don't belong. I love Jesus, but I just don't belong. He says, no, 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 you're called to belong. And even if you say you're not a part of the body, you actually are and you've just got to take your place there. In Christ's body, it says, Ephesians 4.25, we're all connected. And that's the best way to live is connected. That's why we bang on so much here about connect groups. Because it's fine to sit in rows and I say to you, oh, how was your week? And, uh, and you say, yeah, it was good. And then that's it and you go home. But in a connect group, you get to sit together and you get to do life together. In Christ's body, I discover my unique value. It's made up of many parts. Turn to the person next to you. Now sing. I belong to you. You belong to me and my sweet heart. I belong to you. You belong to me and my sweet heart. Oh, I belong to you. You belong to Best lyrics that song. Four, is that the time? Did someone just say, is that the time? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Number four, the fourth metaphor, God's flock. God's flock. In God's flock, I receive protection. Now, when the church is described as a flock, on first glance, I would say, dang it. I grew up on a sheep farm. Those sheep, those animals, they be stupid. Sheep are stupid. And uh, you say, well, stupid is a stupid does it. Exactly, and they do stupid things. Sheep are dumb. Uh, but, but then as we dive into Scripture and we actually think about the role of a shepherd in the you know, agrarian society that they were in, in the ancient Near East, then we begin to get a vastly different picture. Psalms 100 verse 3 says this, God made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Let me read to you from Psalm 23. It's not on your sheet, but you can write it down. And I encourage you to have a, a look at it from the Living Bible if you go home and look up your version. It says, Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He lets me rest in meadow grass and he leads me beside quiet streams. He gives me new strength. He helps me do what honors him the most. Even when I'm walking through the dark valley of death, I won't be afraid. Because you, Lord, my shepherd, you are close beside me, guarding, guiding all the way. You provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as your guest. Blessings overflow. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all of my life. And afterwards, I will live with you forever in your home. That's if we allow God to be our shepherd. That's what he wants to do. He wants to provide for us. He wants to guide us. He wants to guard us. He wants to give us rest. He wants to do all that. And you know what? You don't have to have him as your shepherd. You can say, no, I'm good, thanks, God. And what you get in return is control. How good is that? You get control of your life. 
but you don't get rest and you don't get guarded and you don't get guided and you don't get provided for and you don't get everything that he promises here. But you get control, I'd say trade it back out. If you want control, trade it back out to be looked after, to be provided for, to be welcomed, to be given new strength. John chapter 10 says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A hired hand runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I lay down my life for my sheep. That's the kind of shepherd he is. They listen to my voice and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will ever be able to snatch my sheep out of my hand. And that is why I get confident and I still feel confident even when the sheep wander. Because Jesus says that my sheep can't be snatched out of my hand. Now, I actually believe they can get up and walk out of his hand, but I believe that he will pursue them and pursue them like a good shepherd and go after them and after them with his crook, that he will guide them back in the, into the path of righteousness, that he will beat every enemy that would come against them like the shepherds used to against stray dogs and wolves and whatever else. God protects you and cares for you when you decide to let him be your shepherd. He, he, he stops all the wolves coming against the flock. There are no wolves in Australia, just to give you a heads up. Drop bears everywhere. Carnivorous, horrendous drop bears, vile creatures. We lost so many sheep to drop bears on the farm. Um, but not only do we have pastors. See, see God gives us, um, he looks after us as, his, as our shepherd and he asks us to look after each other. And he gives us pastors to look after us. And I just want to read you a few scriptures because there are some scary scriptures about being a pastor and about being a shepherd. It says here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Take care of God's flock, his people that you are responsible for. Watch over them because you want to, not because you're forced to. Okay, that sounds pretty easy. I'm not here to get a wage. If you ever went into ministry for a wage, <laughs> um, but, but also because you, you, you want to, not because you're forced to. Hebrews 13, 7, this is a scary one. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they know they are accountable to God. It says that actually your spiritual leaders are more accountable even than you are because they're taking care of your souls. So I, I covet your prayers in that area because I'm not smart enough to be the kind of shepherd that God wants me to be without his help. So please pray for your pastors. Please pray for every, every leader that you have in the church because they are accountable for your soul. But we don't only have pastors. We've got our connect groups because I, I can't possibly pastor our church and gun at our church who has their own pastor and blah, 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 blah. I can't, I can't possibly pastor everyone in the church. Daz can't possibly pastor everyone in the church. And there are 58 one another's that we're supposed to um, adhere to in the Bible, love one another, care for one another, help one another, encourage one another. And the only way that you can do that is in a connect group. So it's so important that we can get into a connect group. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. So when someone comes to the connect group and says, I'm really going through a tough time, and you pray for them, and you tell them it's going to be okay, and you tell them that you're here for them, you are actually fulfilling all the one another's that God has set out for you. You're actually fulfilling Scripture. 
In God's flock, I receive protection. And the final uh, metaphor is a garden, is a garden. Bible says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine and you are the branches. So the fifth thing that we learn is in God's garden, I become productive. You see, a branch that is cut off from the vine is no longer productive. In fact, it's only a matter of time before that thing dries up. But a branch that is connected to the vine flourishes and has life. Now, don't let me, you know, quote scripture wrong. It's talking about Jesus being the vine and we being the branches. It's not that the church is the vine and and that we're the branches. That's not the case at all. It's each one of us opening up our lives to the life-giving flow that comes from Jesus and abiding in him. But if you think about a vine, there's branches everywhere, right? And you're part of that vine, you're part of the whole thing. And so, so we're a garden and we're being productive because we're connected to the vine. The amazing thing about this is, is that we've got five basic needs in our life. You want to know your identity. Who am I really? And, and you want to develop stability so that you don't get blown away by the tough things. And, and you've got a need to increase your capacity. You also, you want to have security and you want productivity. And that's the five things that we just talked about. In God's family, I learn my true identity. In God's temple, I'm supported by others. In Christ's body, I discover my unique value. And in God's flock, I receive protection. In God's garden, I become productive. So I just want to ask you the question, maybe you attend the chapel all the time. Is it time for you to not just be an attender, but actually be a participator? To be connected, to be truly connected, to not fly out the door every week after service. And that's okay. You know what? That's totally okay. We've had people that, that, that needed time to settle in, that needed time to get over past hurts, needed time to just know that everyone wasn't a freak. <laughs> Fooled you. Um, <laughs> no, it's not true. But, but actually that, that they needed time to do that. And you can take all the time you need, but, but there comes a point where you need to go, oh, I want to be a part of this church family. I want to belong somewhere. Maybe you've heard the MCs pray and say, you know, a member of our church family or, you know, someone in our family is sick and you're like, ooh, Amish much, and, uh, and you kind of like freak out a little bit at it. But, but the, the fact is, is that we are called to be a family. That is terrifying for some of you. The thought of that kind of level of closeness, and that's okay. That's all right if it terrifies you. Just allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and to begin to get you ready to belong to the family because you are called to belong. And, and you know what? In this family, you're not just wanted because you are wanted, but you're also welcome. You are welcome here. And so what do we do? Well, the first thing to do is to let everybody know that we're a part of the family. You know, often um, different, uh, different tribes, different races have a mark that they're a part of the family. Um, the Scots have different um, tartans. The Buchanan clan have the, I don't know. And, um, but, you know, Maoris, they get their family tribal tats. And uh, the Bunnells, um, they go online and do their family DNA and discover that we're actually, or well, not me, <laughs> praise the Lord. Well, not that there's anything wrong with this, but I'm not a Bunnell. That they're 1% Kazakhstanian. Just explains so much to me. And 
Like, I, I've had all these things, like, why are Darren and the kids like that? Oh, Kazakhstanian, okay, right. Um, but they did their DNA ancestry thing. Or, or, or like Luke's family, they um, paid for someone um, made up online to make up a family crest, and they all got it tattooed onto them. Wow. <laughs> Not my husband, he's way too smart. Um, but uh, that's me just having a dig at Luke. Sorry, everybody, if you felt like that was too harsh. Um, get the, the family symbol for Christianity is getting baptised. It's going into the water and coming back out of it. And like uh, I think Luke said, that we've got opportunity for you to get baptised tonight. And you don't need to know everything about uh, Jesus in order to get baptised. You simply need to know that you want to follow Him. And this is um, a sign that you want to follow Him. Just like my wedding ring is a sign uh, that I am married. Baptism is a sign that you're a Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. You might say, oh, Bron, I, I got baptised when I was a baby. And I would say, that's awesome. And you say, I got confirmed when I was 12. And, and, and you know, I feel like baptism was more for back then. Well, just to clue you in, um, baby baptism was more because there was such a high rate of infant mortality that they wanted to uh, have some kind of assurance that their babies were saved because they, they wanted them to go to heaven. So, so it's all tradition and it's all, all like that. But the biblical pattern is actually full immersion baptism and saying, going under the water, to say my old life is left behind and rising again into our new life. That's what the Bible says. So getting baptised. And second, get into a connect group. Get connected. To the rest of you that would say, well, I've already been baptised and I'm already part of a connect group, so what do I do? I would say to you, fall in love with the church. Rediscover love of the church. And you say, no, Brun, I'm like those Washington people. There ain't no hurt like church hurt. I'm keeping my distance. I would say just... Allow yourself to fall in love with the church. The church, the local church is the hope of the world. You'd say Jesus is the hope of the world. Absolutely. And Jesus left the local church to outwork his vision into the world. It's where he puts lonely into families. It's where he, he includes people that felt like they were on the outer of life. It's where he finds um, people who just feel like they're disenfranchised and says, no, no, I've got a purpose for you. Fall in love with the church. Don't be a church hater. Who says to Oh, I nearly used you as an example, Grant and Angela, but that would be terrible. So I'll say to, about Darren, um, who would say to Darren, oh, Daz, I really like you. You are awesome, but I hate your wife. <laughs> That's like saying, I love you, Jesus, but I hate the church. Why would we ever say that? And, and, and if any, any husband worth his salt would sit you down. <laughs> so yes, don't be a church hater, but don't even be a church discreditor. Oh, I like you, you're all right, but your wife's a bit of a joke, right? But don't even be a church denigrator. Don't even be like, well, I like you, but your wife, she's pretty annoying, right? Like, let's be those that fall in love with the church. If Jesus loved the church and would lay down his life for her, then let's us be those who are the church and say, well, we're going to speak well of the church. Yes, she's got her problems. Yes, people, no, we're not even going to say they're annoying. We'll just infer it. Uh, but, but yes, but we're going to speak well of the church. There's a church across town that whatever is reaching people, great, we celebrate with them. The church is the hope of the world. They think they are, but America is not the hope of the world. Politics is not the hope of the world. Economics is not the hope of the world. Education is not the hope of the world. If it was, they would have already fixed the world. But the local church is the hope of the world. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And gates are defensive by nature and the church needs to be offensive by nature in order to storm the gates of hell and rescue people from there and populate heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. So let me close with this verse. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. You can write that down on your sheet if you like. Ephesians 3, 21 says, Glory belongs to God in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time and eternity. Can you believe that Paul said that glory belongs in Jesus Christ? Yes, we all know that. And he says, and in the church. So let's not us be those that detract from the glory of God in the church. It's God's bride. It's God's family. Let's never put it down again. And let's pray together tonight. Lord, I thank you that even with all our flaws and faults and weaknesses, you have still entrusted the church with your message of the good news about Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to put aside our church hurt, that we would be able to recognize that that the church is full of people and the church is not perfect. And even if it was, then we joined and we made it imperfect. Lord, we are not perfect. We fully acknowledge that. And your church is not yet perfect, but you love her and you lay down your life for her. So Lord, we ask that we would be those that would do the same. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and just establish in people a love for your church. An ownership that says, I belong to the family of God. Lord, right now we forgive every hurt of the past. We forgive every annoyance and Lord, we apologize for holding on to things both big and petty. We release them to you right now. Heal our hurts and cause us to fall in love with what you're in love with, your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.